0: I mean, we worked really hard this week. Like I said, once again, I think the biggest thing was keeping our shape, keeping our shape, staying really compact, not getting caught chasing the ball. Uh, I think that's been our problem the last couple games. We just kind of get ahead of ourselves. But, um, you know, we worked on set pieces this week, the we set piece. Um, I'm really pleased for Darwin Jones. Um, he's been working tremendously hard in practice and, and getting his opportunities. And he scored two very nice goals tonight. Um, but everybody contributed. I thought Jerry Van Eyweyk was very good tonight. Um, Harry strained his back a little bit there in the end of the first half, but um, and even Mike, you know, Mike had his opportunities as well. So, creating opportunities going forward, but you know, just making sure we keep clean sheets.
1: All right, so that was coach Braden Cloutier after the match, Orange County's first victory of the season, first full three points. So, it means we've got some positive stuff to talk about in this episode, and you know. We're still gonna complain a little bit like we like like we tend to do. This is the Orange and Black Soccer cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. It's a one-two
0: DeDoy. He's found a great ball in a Plenty of time. He smashes it off and doubles the visitor's lead. Thomas in a Now Segber sprinting forward on the counterattack. Little handsy there, crosses it. Pineda! The extra pass. Seton finishes. It rolls down to his left and parrying aside. Well taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! And it's gone in! An equalizer and a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County. Off the left boot of Aiden Quinn.
1: This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast the only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast and on Facebook at Orange and Black SoccerCast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I am with you each and every episode as we talk all things Orange County Soccer Club. And join me as he does every episode. We've got Dylan from County Line Coalition. Dylan, it feels good to get a, a victory, right?
2: That, that yeah, yeah it felt really good. Um, wasn't just the the four beers that I had I think it was more the victory. Um, it was a great <laughs> time so still kind of riding that high uh, it's it's Tuesday I'm still riding that high
1: yeah it's it, it it feels awesome to like finally get over that hump. I know we've talked about it over these last few weeks we've been a little confident in what we've done, but we've also understood you know it's early in the season there's been a lot of inconsistency in the lineups so it's awesome to get that now. Now it's hoping that that opens the floodgates and we get some more. And we'll talk a little bit about that before we do, though. We got to also welcome back another member of our team. Uh, he's joining us. He's joined us quite a bit this season. Uh, probably will keep joining us as long as uh, as long as he you know, as We were as long as we remain friendly, I guess, to him. That's Alan. Alan, welcome back to the podcast.
0: Thanks. Glad to be here. I was the one game I didn't get to watch live in a while and they ended up putting two in I was a little bit I was a little bit mad when I saw I, I caught a little bit here and there I was out and about but I was like ah wish I could have watched this live it would have been so cool yeah so now we- you know you don't get to you don't get to watch any <laughs> the rest of the games that's what I was thinking
1: no 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 you have to watch the games you have to keep writing about some of these games for us uh I I I know you know with ex- I wrote the the recap this last match Dylan did it in a previous match it's not as easy as you make it look Alan
0: well, I, I appreciate it. It was uh, my wife usually edits it, so she makes me look good. Well, you should.
2: See... You should see the notes this guy takes. It's amazing. Send me a picture. I was like, my god, man. What I have essays that have less structure than his notes for a soccer game.
1: I, I will say this: I was always, and I still am to this day, very bad at writing down notes, jotting down notes. Uh, there's no semblance of organization. Typically, if I'm actually using a pen and pencil, my notes are like all over a page, nothing like in any kind of order. And then I have to, you know, a day later, you're looking and you're like, what the heck was I writing down? And what was I thinking? Uh, and then at this match, I was trying to do it, you know, on my computer. And even that, I'm just, I'm bad at that. Cause I don't know, I'm just, I'm not good at it, but.
0: Well, my, my notebook and pen will be at the game tomorrow. So if you're there, you can check it out.
1: So you're going to be at the game tomorrow?
0: Yeah, I got uh, got a staff meeting after work, but I'm driving up from Temecula. I checked with my wife to make sure it was all right that I wasn't coming home so late, and she said go for it. And so uh, figured I get a good run in before I came up again for Phoenix.
1: Well, the, I'm see, I wasn't even knowing I didn't know if I was going to make it out to the game tomorrow. It's a you know middle of the week game, and I, I do so much throughout the week where there's limited days where I can spend time with family and you know whatnot. But now I might have to. Make a uh, at least a, a half of a game appearance to to hang out with you, Alan, and and maybe distract you from jotting down your notes or something
0: like a Stanley cameo. <laughs> uh,
1: but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll talk about that a little bit later or or, or whatnot. I'll talk with Dylan and, and you after we're done recording. But we got to get into the, the thick of things. we got a few things to discuss. Yes, we're going to talk about the awesome first full three points for Orange County this season. Uh, We're also going to try and do a brief preview of a team that is sort of difficult to preview, and that's Tacoma Defiance, uh, formerly known as Sounders 2, Uh, and and we'll get into that a little bit, and then we got to talk about something I think uh, all three of us uh, are a little, I don't know, confused about, frustrated about, whatever the the right word would be, that's going to be the power rankings, Uh, and we'll get into that and then whatever else we can think of. Uh, so let's get into this match. Orange County, uh, you know, one of the early season favorites uh, for the league this has been struggling, I guess, a little bit to to put a consistent ninety minutes on the pitch. I think every single match that they've played this season, they've put at least forty-five minutes of solid play, but for whatever reason, they can't they couldn't maintain it. Finally, this match had happened; they put together a pretty decent, solid uh, ninety minutes of soccer. And we're able to come out victorious, get three points. Uh, It was a 2-0 score. Probably should have been more than that for Orange County with some of the opportunities that were missed. Uh, But that's just, I guess, being a little greedy. I'll take a 2-0 score if that's what it has to be to get the first victory of the season. Uh, Dylan, you were there. uh, We were both there at that match. You were there uh, in the capacity of a fan out there hanging out with Canterline Coalition, having fun, partying while I was uh, up in the press box, taking notes the best way I can. Uh, what just share what it was like out there with the, with the fans, with County Line Coalition uh, throughout this match, and then we'll get into some more details as we talk.
2: I mean, it's always a party, and I think everyone was in a pretty good mood and, and looking forward to this game. And then, I mean, once one put the first goal in, then it was, I think, a big weight off of our shoulders. And the way that we were playing was really positive and really comfortable and it really fits the identity that the club's been, I guess, going after the last year. Um so I think we were all pretty, pretty pleased with what was going on. And then Darwin scored that brace and then it was just like full. on like, let's party, let's enjoy this. Um <laughs> there's no way these guys are gonna come back. So we were just living it up. Um heckled one of the uh switchbacks, center backs, because he kept losing his shin guard and uh Vinicius and Darwin Jones basically ended that guy's career. It was <laughs> it was a swell time, let's put it that way. Um but it was nice. I think everyone was was really pleased that we'd won. I think it was a big weight off of everyone's shoulders in the stadium. I mean, players, staff, and, and fans alike.
1: No, definitely. Uh, and I like how you talk about, uh, you know, Darwin Jones, Vinicius, like ending the, the dude's career. Uh, they both looked amazing out there. They they looked like they were playing with, with whoever was trying to defend them uh, at times. Uh, which I think for Darwin, we come to expect that out of him. He's probably one of the more skilled dribblers and definitely probably the quickest player out there on the on the pitch for Orange County. Uh, Vinicius is more of a wild card, really do not know what to expect out of him coming, what, out of the Brazilian league or, or wherever he came from before this. Uh, not much really to see uh, to get prepared for it. And he looked pretty impressive in the limited time he was out there. Uh, at least looked like he was, you know, willing to just go, go all out out there and not just, you know, take 10 minutes of just trotting around the field a little bit uh, alan you watched the the, the replay on espn plus so you got to maybe see a little bit of a different view from what dylan and i were seeing uh, what uh what did you see in that match what did you like uh just share your thoughts on how that match went uh from a uh broadcast standpoint
0: um i thought well if we've been you talked about one half good, one half bad. Well, I figured they had two bad halves against uh, <laughs> what was that El Paso. So this is the other two halves in response to that. Bad, those two bad halves. Um, I thought both halves they looked great. Um, possession ended up being in uh, yeah, in, in Colorado's favor. But I think a lot of that was there's there's a comment that the person counted one of the. Broadcasters counted seven sideways passes between the defenders. Like it was just like back and forth. So a lot of that possession was just like Colorado defenders trying to figure out where to put the ball. I wrote DJ's name down a lot as far as good plays. Forrester was in there. Alston had a couple of really great shot chances. And I do want to point out in the 71st minute, I wrote great tackle from Hume. He actually looked kind of fast. (laughs) so I was like dang it was a beautiful tackle and then uh, I think I wrote him down again where he came up There was another play not too long later where he came up and like he was well past the halfway line uh putting the ball back into the offensive third um I thought that some of the issues didn't show up whether Colorado didn't exploit them or things just kind of worked nicer but um I think Darwin Jones definitely looked a lot more comfortable on the wing than he did as a striker um, I think that that helped a lot of that play too. Uh, but um, yeah, DJ's name is down all over the place as far as just great runs, great crosses. I mean, someone runs back post a couple of times. It's like four nil, you know, if there's another, it just, I can't like I'm scrolling through tons of notes about great balls through really close, great save by Colorado. So I, they just looked really dangerous. It was like, this is the orange County that I watched last year that I fell in love with.
1: And if I can recall, I think Darwin Jones hit another goalpost in this match. Um, maybe not. I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm just expecting it now. Um,
0: <laughs> I saw 81st, two great moves puts into the side netting.
1: There was one move where he just totally juked the defender, the defender fall down. I think that's what Dylan. Was that would have been, yeah.
2: yeah the, the center back from. The <sighs> he. Oh man. He was <laughs> having a very so rough weird. last five minutes of his night. It was <laughs> hilarious
1: well especially when you had Vinicius out there with Darwin Jones it totally just I mean it's pick your poison which one do you want to have to defend both of those guys were were just like little tornadoes out there on the on on the soccer field Uh, and and what about Vinicius I mean what are your thoughts both of you on on his home debut I knew he made his uh, debut with the club in El Paso but for the limited time he was out there he looked like he was out there to to be noticed and to say hey you know, I need playing time out there. This is uh, you got to use me. What are your thoughts, Dylan?
2: I mean, the kid is is good, um, and he's really young, which is kind of terrifying. That I mean, like it, it makes me feel terrible because I'm a couple years older than he is, and and he's doing these things with his life, and I'm I'm not. So, but so then how should I feel? So <laughs> fast. I mean, honestly, he closed down anytime. The switchbacks got the ball, um, especially as they were trying to to get something started from the back. They try and build out. I um, yeah. forget who was on last week, but he said they always try and build out from the back, and we saw them trying to do that towards the end of the game. And Vinicius was always there closing down, and then even a back pass to the keeper, he got a tackle in. It was the kid is lightning quick. So if we're looking for a quick break, or we're we're changing the way that we're we're playing midway through a game, he's going to be an awesome.
1: Awesome. Um, He's going to be a burst so. of energy out there that, that any I think any club would be excited to see. And I'm a huge fan of a high press and I don't think you can get much more of a high press than what he was putting on uh, Colorado for the, the last, what, 15 minutes of that match. Yeah.
2: So I'm excited to see like what he does with the ball at his feet in that prep, like with some actual possession and, and the, the stuff he can do in front of goal. Um, I, I I think he made really, one
1: really, I think he made one really good move out there right in front of you guys at some point in the match. If I can recall.
2: Indeed he did against uh, <laughs> Chris Reeves from the switchbacks.
1: <laughs> We're going to say that name a lot, right? <laughs> it oh. was
2: the kid is really good. So I'm excited. And I know the coaching staff looks really highly upon him. So, um, you know, and he seems to like everyone, and
1: he's and got a good personality. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, the kid apparently uh, can't speak any English, but, uh, but he
1: knows yeah or something like that, or hey he knows or, yeah. We did yeah, right? and, He said it like um, thirteen times while me, you, and Cameron were hanging out in the tunnel there. It was pretty yeah, hilarious. Yeah, and he'll
2: he'll butcher a, a high five and then come back to to make amends for it. So yeah, he's, he yeah. seems fun. He seems to be really enjoying his time, and if he's doing that, uh, he's gonna. It's going to destroy some defenses this year. I'm excited for him.
1: What about you, Alan? Uh, again, you watched it from a totally different angle from what D- Dylan and I were seeing. Uh, what did you see out of this this young Brazilian that impressed you, uh, and what maybe you're looking forward to seeing from more uh, of him this season?
0: Uh, he like I have a like a question mark about that running down the goalie because it was like so fast. I was like, was that 13? Did I see that 13? Like I literally wrote a question mark because I was like, it happened so fast, and he was like booking it toward that goalie because usually it's like token i'm gonna run down the goalie like no he was on a mission like almost like put that in like a couple more inches i think you can get a deflection back toward goal um he kind of reminded me of the spark that uh was darwin jones in the first game when he came on and kind of like sparked the offense i think there was a little bit of that like it was colorado was kind of like trying to come back and then when he came on it was you know, maybe one good possession from Colorado in the 88th minute, but most of it was OC like holding onto the ball and dominating again. And just like pushing that pressure up again. to like crank it up to make sure we kept that clean sheet, which was, I think was super important.
1: And one of like, like you mentioned, Alan, the the possession was definitely pretty equal. I, like Colorado Springs had like a 0.1% in you know, they were like at 50.1 and Orange County was like at 49.9 or some weird, really close stat like that. But the key set that I was looking at throughout the match, and I think it just continued and continued through the match, was the uh, interceptions. Orange County, which is dominating on interceptions uh, throughout most of that match. I think uh, uh, on my awesome notes that I took, I, I noted down that it was like a six to one ratio in the first half uh, of interceptions. I think it was like 12 interceptions for OC2 for, for Colorado Springs, which... You know, if, if possession is going to be pretty equal, if you're going to be able to intercept and disrupt play like that, it's definitely going to have a positive effect for, for your team and for the outcome. And, and in the end, this actually was a great result for Orange County. Uh Another, you know, home debut, uh, home debut that we saw on the pitch was our newest goalkeeper, uh, Patrick McLean uh, made his debut, had a couple of key solid saves. Show uh, he showed that he wasn't scared to get out there and, and, you know, possibly get into some contact with, with some of the the players out there and risk, you know, potentially getting kicked or something like that. So it was awesome to see. I got a chance to speak with him at the, after the match, so let's hear what he had to say. And then we'll discuss a little bit more about him. All right. So Patrick uh, made your home debut with orange County uh, tonight. What was it uh, like for you out there in front of the home uh, fans? Uh, it was it was awesome to be here on this surface. Um, the guys in front of me did a really good job of making my life pretty easy tonight. I, I give all the credit to our back four and our, you know, our center mids for keeping things really tight. So uh, there was a couple key saves, one on each side of the field there where there was some good contact out there. So shows you're not scared to get in there and get in the mix. And, you know, you know you're going to be possibly getting kicked or something like that when you're doing that. Uh, can you just uh, run it by, like, our, our fans, what it's like to be in there when you have uh, – I mean, Shoes on, coming at you and honestly, body parts coming at you. Honestly, I, I, I've been doing this for such a long time that I don't even notice that part of it. I just see the ball and I know that's what I have to that's what I have to get. And you know, if you if you take contact in a way, you just hope that you're you're strong enough to withstand whatever whatever they throw at you. So perfect. Thank you so much, Charles. All right, so that was uh, the new goalkeeper for Orange County, Patrick McLean after the match. Uh, Again, couple of key saves, one on each side of the, the the field where he was just getting into there with you know shoes coming at him, cleats coming at him, whatnot. Uh, one of them was you know on your guys uh, on counterline Coalition side of the the field. There, uh, Dylan, do you remember any of those plays at all when you saw that? Or
2: well, the first half I was actually on the near side of the field, the camera side of the field. Okay. Um, so uh, you know I was I was getting around um, on the, on the field. That is oh, that sounds. <laughs> <laughs> so bad oh god oh. Um, I was no like there's no way I can come back from this so I will just, just uh, resign myself okay. to that at this point <laughs> but I mean he's obviously really good he spent a good amount of time in the MLS I, I know a, some injuries derailed um, what probably would have been a good good opportunity for him last year but I mean he's really good and at this level I think the experience was a really long way um, and he's kind of—I mean, maybe he's towards the later end of his prime as a goalkeeper. He's not super old yet, so yeah. he's still athletic. His positioning is really good, and, and like he said, he's—I mean, he's so experienced at this point that he—he he seems really confident about what he. There's no, there's no second guessing any of his actions. So he didn't get tested a lot in this game compared to El Paso, which was great. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's always a big positive, um, especially in front of the, I think the fifth consecutive the different backline that we've put out in the season. Um, but he looked just fine. Uh, he also talks like a surfer, which I think is just hilarious. So.
1: Yeah, that's uh, one of the reasons he decided to come to Orange County. So
2: cowboy. <laughs>
1: uh Alan, what about you? You got to again, you, I keep saying it, you saw a different view of what we saw. You probably got to see a little bit uh, more detail of what I'm talking about with some of those really uh, uh you know, in-traffic saves that uh, were very very key in keeping Orange County uh, on top in this match. Uh, what are your thoughts on what you saw from from McLean?
0: Yeah, I have a 72nd minute big save for McLean. Uh, there were three shots on target. I think that last one was kind of the biggest one to kind of keep the clean sheet going. Um, you know, that that goal goes in in the 72nd minute, and then all of a sudden you start going, uh-oh, is this happening again? Like, you know, are we, are we going to give up another like goal or it's going to be a draw again? Because, you know, you say that the two goal lead is the most dangerous, right? So you get one back in the 72nd, you still have plenty of time to net that that, that second goal. Um, some of the shots earlier were kind of weak, um, but I, I don't think he was tested a lot. But uh, yeah, I think that 72nd save was a pretty, pretty good one.
1: Yeah, and I think I remember because I, I think it, the one you are referencing, Alan, was the one where he stayed down or, it, you know, he stayed down for a couple seconds afterwards and uh, maybe got, I don't know, knock, uh, a little knock or something like that.
0: Yeah, it looked uh, like it was, it hit his hand and like, like it was like right off of his hand. So it was one of those like stingers where your hand just like, you, that's, I mean, it was a basically a palm save, like no arm, like just hand. I think it kind of shook him a little bit and then he landed on the ball and was just kind of like, yeah, that one, we're just kind
1: of hanging on to it. And that quick reaction, like you said, like he he, he knocked the ball down and then just pounced on it really quickly. That's really key when you're looking at uh, what makes what makes a, a goalkeeper stand out from other guys, the ability to to make those quick reactions. Uh, you're not always uh, – actually, most of the time you're not going to catch the ball. It's going to be some sort of parry or knockdown, and that's how quickly you can get back into position or you can pounce on that ball uh, to help stop or, uh, you know, reduce the number of opportunities that the other team has uh, and that was key in this match and we saw that uh from McLean out there um what else about this match do we have discussed i don't know dylan uh is there anything else you can think walker of? freaking
2: not- Hume, man <laughs> so i mean leonardo shows up hugo ariano gets blown down from the galaxy walker hume sits on the bench uh at least i started to think are we going to do this thing to him again similar similar to last season right yeah yeah, I was thinking, no, come on. This guy is so good. You brought him back for a reason. And um, I don't know if someone on the coaching staff told him, um, go out and prove yourself, or if he realized this was his chance to, to fight his spot back. But my God, he was all over the place, shutting everything down, pressuring guys right and left. Uh, one of the closer chances that the switchbacks had. Hume was right there, shutting down the angle. He, God, he had such an amazing game. I mean, he's not going to be the man of the match because he didn't get an assist, he didn't get a goal, stuff like that. But, I mean, his his like 52 pace on FIFA or whatever it was, he used <laughs> every it day. It's not it. even that, is it? <laughs> he's got the plus 10 or whatever it is on that right now that the training sessions went really well. He was incredible this week, and I think it's well worth a couple of minutes of our time to, to – to, uh, to praise him for that.
1: Well what's even more remarkable with with his performance out there is uh, I believe he was playing on the same side as a uh, waswansu Contour uh, who probably had his worst performance of the early season. Uh, so there was multiple times where Hume had to basically save the day for a mistake that Contour made out there, whether it was a lazy touch or a lazy pass or a poor header. Or just being out of position, and Walker even having to run down a quick player for the other team, and and every time he was called upon on that, he definitely saved the day for the defense.
2: And he was loud back there too. Um, you know, he was he was talking a lot uh, to Crusostimo and to Alston and to Leonardo and to, or, and to contour, Which is and good. He was, yeah. I mean, he was a determined man on Saturday night, and it was it was really good to see not only that he was on the pitch, but that playing really really well i think you kind of have to play him again
1: oh yeah definitely
2: if he's gonna have performances like this there's no sense no sense at all in having him on the bench he needs to be playing um so i think at this point one of the one of the spots might be his to lose
1: which is nice i guess i i would like to take
0: credit maybe he listened to that tulsa podcast he was like oh, i gotta step it up and Prove that I, I got some <laughs> I got some hustle in me. Like, hey, maybe you know, because like he was I he was moving he felt like he was moving faster and more um, maybe like more direct more um, that's what I'm looking for thoughtful in the what he was doing and more purposeful. Um, like he just felt like hey if I'm gonna go all out and I'm like that tackle like again that tackle in the 71st minute was just. Beautiful, like even the replay was just picture perfect placement, like like almost no contact with the Colorado player, like just all ball came through clean. So there's like no injury, no like question if it was a foul or not. Just a beautiful full sprint in quotes ta- and into that tackle was just a thing of beauty.
1: Oh, it was it was awesome, and everyone knows Walker Hume's my favorite player on the team. He still is, uh, so. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think a lot of that might just come down to the way that everyone in front of him was playing better, too. Um, Trotter yeah. and Crisostomo did a good job of controlling things so that when there was a chance, um, it wasn't a big break like we've seen in the past few weeks. Um, and Hume wasn't trying to do five things at once. It was just, oh, here's my man, or there's the ball, and let me go chase this down. And it was, I mean, it was so much a better showing from everyone. But I think Hume typified that, really, I mean. No disrespect to Darwin, but I think uh, Hume probably had the best performance on the night of anyone, especially if we compare it to to the earlier weeks.
1: Well, and I think this match showed that when Orange County is firing on all cylinders, it's gonna they're gonna be a tough team to to stop. Again, there was multiple chances. I can just off the top of my head think of two other opportunities where they should have scored a goal. One of them being the Harry Forrester breakaway where he ended up taking a shot that flew over the crossbar. I think he had, I can't remember who he had on the left side, if it was uh, Jerry Von Wolfgang or something like that, that he could have made a, a cross to. But even taking the shot, he still should have made that shot. It's probably one that he looks back on and said, you know, nine out of 10 times that should go in. Uh, and then the other one was, uh, there was a, a play where, I don't know if it was a, you know, a give and go or, or whatever with Michael Seaton and Aiden Quinn. And Seaton just uh, was a little heavy on his pass to Quinn and it got to the keeper before Quinn could get to it. Uh, so, I mean, right there, there's two other goals that they should have had. I mean, that's, let's face it, the maybe you know, in a couple months when the team is clicking on all cylinders, there or firing on all cylinders, got to get it right. Um, those are goals that go into into the net, back of the net there. So, uh, let's do this just for uh, saving some time. We don't want to. I mean, I guess we would love to keep talking about the victory and and whatnot, but. We do got a couple other things we got to get into, so let's talk about um, really quick the uh, m- the man of the match. I know Dylan, you sort of opened it up there, saying that you think I mean, Walker Hume deserves it.
2: Whoa, whoa, no, no, I said he can't be. I mean, there's literally only you can only have one. Well, you
1: said he, you said he was, here. you said he was the, you know, no disrespect to Darwin Jones, he was the best man on the on the on the pitch.
2: I think if you compare it to previous weeks, that's absolutely true. But we okay. know Darwin's been dangerous all season long. How many times has he hit the frame of the goal? How many times has he put killer runs in? He's been basically the most dangerous offensive player this team's had.
1: Yes. I also you're, think that he's man be... of the match.
2: He scored okay. two goals. You cannot not give him man of the match. He was.
1: <sighs> I was just thinking you were going for like the outside the box thought on that, but no,
2: he's your favorite player. You can give it to Walker, and that's oh. still a very valid. But in the way that the man in the match would go to, it's the one that has, I don't know, the biggest positive impact on the game. And if that positive impact is two goals that mean that your team wins the game, it's got to be that one. All right. What about you, Especially Alex? Especially if you have good runs the whole time. I'm done. I'm done. It's Darwin. It's got to be Darwin.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have to concur. Like I said, the, the, the amount of times I wrote Darwin Jones's name down is like... I wrote Darwin Jones down more than I think I wrote corner kicks. And there were quite a few of those. So Darwin Jones for sure looked really dangerous, a little bit better communication, maybe some softer touches, Uh, you know, maybe Seton gets a goal here, Forrester gets a goal there, but there's a lot of good crosses in. And I think they're just waiting for that person to find them. And I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at four or five goals in this game. Darwin Jones getting two of them and then probably could have assisted on a couple
1: more. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you, both of you, Darwin Jones, easily to pick for uh man of the match player, of the match, whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, yeah. And, and I agree with what you say, Dylan and uh, about, he's been basically our most dangerous offensive player of the season. Uh, and keep in mind for a couple of those games, he was playing out of position up in the, uh, you know, the striker or whatever position for orange County. So now that he's back in his comfortable right wing position, I just expect more out of him. Now uh, he's MLS talent playing in the USL. Uh, he's the probably, like I said, the quickest player on the team. Uh, maybe Vinici- uh, Vinicius is, takes that role now. I don't know, but I expect a, a, an awesome, amazing season from Darwin. Uh, He got half a season with the club last year, and now he he knows his role on this team, and I think it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, Let's do this. Let's talk briefly about the team formerly known as Seattle Sounders 2. They're now known as Tacoma Defiance, although I think they are still officially a two-team for Seattle Sounders. Correct. So um, let's get into this. Let's try and preview uh, preview this match as best we can. We know you can expect nothing out of what the roster is going to be from them because at any moment they can send down like six players from Seattle Sounders to play. So who knows what will happen in this match? Maybe because it's actually happening in Orange County, there's less chance it happens because then they have to pay for those players to fly down. But um, I don't know. What are what are your thoughts, Dylan, on on this match? Is this a great opportunity for Orange County to to take another full three points?
2: It is because tomorrow the sounders the first team plays so don't think we're going to see any of the first teamers coming down um and, and that's my hopeful thought is that <laughs> of the first teamers coming down there's where are they playing national seattle i don't i looked it up when i was texting alan about this earlier yesterday um no i don't think we're going to see a lot of of the first team players come down but yeah they are still a two team um and that kind of sucks. But they haven't been very good, if we're being honest. I mean, they had a really good game, um, I guess you could say, against Sac Republic. But they also had, I think, six first-team players playing for them, including Will Bruin, who scored a goal. So, I mean, uh, you know, um, when it's just the, the two players, Sorry, the Defiance players, the, like, 14-year-olds that are on that team. They have a tendency to get blown out, which they did against the Galaxy, 3-0, and the Roughnecks, 4-0. And I think against the Roughnecks, I think it was two goals from um, Luis Lobo, the right back that no one ever marks on set pieces, who scores constantly. He's, like, leading the Golden Boot or something right now. So we have tall players on our team, and these guys apparently can't defend so we should be fine in any number of ways. We have multiple people that should be able to score goals against this team. And we have experience and that is something this team doesn't have. And okay. pressing a bunch of teenagers as we found out all last season goes really well for the team that's pressing and not the, well, not so well for the team that's.
1: Fair. What do you think, Alan?
0: Yeah. Uh, Seattle is away in Colorado just to put that out there. Um, I know our listeners are definitely going to ask about that. Probably not. <laughs> um, yeah, the that Sac Republic game was a little bit deceiving. Um, like Dylan pointed out, those guys are – some of those guys have minutes, MLS minutes. Um, you know, they're reserve players or bench, even bench players that get into games. I think they were they said they're like 40-something minutes between the six of them in this MLS season alone. Um, and – I do think Orange County's got a really good chance of, you know, putting, building on the momentum and putting up a crooked number, if you will, and you know, fighting for another clean sheet. Um, I feel pretty good.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I guess the only scary part is that this match is coming only what three days after their last match, so there's quite a possibility that there's going to be some rotation going on here, and that can disrupt the positive chemistry that happened this past weekend. Uh, But with knowing that there's an extended break after this, it's like 10 days until the next match. Maybe you don't have to focus so hard on the rotation and you can still keep some of those, maybe the, the more fit, uh, younger players on the roster can definitely uh, play a second match and just maybe try and rotate just a few players into that to try and help keep that chemistry uh, and the, the cohesiveness of the team going.
0: Yeah, outside of that Sac Republic 2-1 victory, they scored one goal against Rio Grande Valley, none against Los Dos, none against Roughnecks, and only one against New Mexico United. Um, And that was a home match. Uh, Their only away match was 4-0 against Tulsa. So um, I would would like our chances to not give up a goal, which gives you a really good chance of winning if you don't give up goals. I think that's the rumor. so I do think we might have a few tired legs, but I think if you get a little bit of rotation, maybe sub a guy in a little bit sooner than you did, uh, we got a couple of burners on there that played, you know, 20 minutes that you might be able to start. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, you just play hard. And I think when the first goal goes in, I think it gives them a boost of energy to, to close it out.
1: And of course I I'd, I'd love to hear like maybe an expert opinion on this team, but uh, they're one of those they're one of those teams yeah. that it's hard to find anything any kind of media coverage podcast or whatnot I think I tried last season like for like three straight days to find someone that covers Seattle Sounders too now Tacoma Defiance and just I mean it just went nowhere so I this year I didn't even try this this episode I didn't even try to find someone to come on and talk about them so basically what we've seen so far and the information you guys have provided is pretty much all we have to to go with. Um, what do you think, gentlemen? Do we do we want to do a prediction for the match?
2: Why not? Why, why, not? why wouldn't we,
1: right? I don't know. Maybe we always do. It seems like we're all confident that they're gonna Orange County's gonna be victorious, but let's let's go through it anyways. Let's uh start with Alan. Alan, what do you think the score will be? And who is the the key player for this match for Orange County?
0: Um, I think it is going to be two nil, and I think uh, Seton finally gets his legs underneath him and, and puts one in, and uh, and probably maybe like the first one to kind of set the tone, and you know maybe Forrester or Van Wolfgang can get one in as well a little bit later in the match. But I'm thinking like maybe two nil, nice easy victory.
1: Awesome. What about you, Dylan?
2: Three nil, Orange County, of course. Um, I don't think that really has any sort of attacking quality. It's a really net a goal against a team that's as good as ours. Rotate away. I mean, we saw Aiden Quinn and Charlie Adams come on pretty late. Koji Hashimoto didn't fe- feature at all. In terms of outside backs, we've got Joe Amico. We could rotate the squad. I mean, Hugo sat, we could put him in. We could rotate the squad pretty heavily and still have a really good chance of beating this team. So, yeah, you know. Oh, and shout out to uh, longtime listener, and one-time guest Andy for (laughs) putting the name suggestion in for the Tacoma Defiance because they picked it and they still haven't bought him a cider. So
1: they got to give him something for that. He should have, he should have trademarked that name before they took it and then make them buy him out or something. But um, yeah, I, I think Orange County should be able to, easily come out victorious in this match Uh, i i think getting a victory is a big plus uh from what they got this past weekend i think that sort of helps build the confidence we're starting to see a little bit more of a a set game plan with certain players that are in certain positions and it looks like coach spring clude is figuring out who's going to be his starting 11 for most of the season you know rotating here and there uh, i'm gonna go with your prediction dylan i'm gonna say three zero three nil uh for orange county and i think michael seaton's gonna be the the star of the show for orange county in this one uh, and maybe it'll be his turn for uh, a brace now now that darwin got his so we have that all right let's get into some fun stuff to talk about and i know it's gonna
2: let's kill the mood.
1: Let's kill the mood. Let's get into the fun stuff here. I know there's going to be some people, if they decide to listen to us or if they're not, I, it doesn't matter to me, but uh, the some of the fans are going to think we're picking. Or I, I think I was on Twitter already earlier on our Twitter account, and I guess someone thinks we just talk about them every week, even though I was trying to look. When was the last time we mentioned, like or seriously talked about Phoenix rising up sea? But let's talk about the USL Championship Power Rankings and uh, the big... Topic at least in my mind of what I'm seeing there is, there's still I mean it's getting a little bit more subtle but there's some s- serious questions still some inconsistency. Uh, the big one that I noticed right away when I saw the the power rankings when they came out is the team sitting number seven in the power rankings, the team from Phoenix Phoenix Rising FC they're seventh in the power rankings, they have zero wins zero losses and four draws, yet they somehow managed to stay in the same position they were last. Uh, last week, uh, after they drew against a Fresno team that had 10 players on the pitch for most of that match. And yeah, so that's weird to me. I also dug a little bit deeper when I was looking at the power rankings. The next team with zero victories on the season is all the way down at number 30, which is Swope Park Rangers. So it's weird when it seems weird when certain teams, you know, can't get a victory, they still get punished when certain teams draw, they still get punished. But when Phoenix draws, um, for whatever reason, the league likes to keep them. I-, I was actually shocked that they didn't even move up in the rankings after what I've seen so far in this season. Uh, Dylan, what are your thoughts on? I guess not just Phoenix, but just if you want to share just a slight bit of your thoughts because I know we're actually going to have an article we'll post up on our website that gets into more details. But what are your just simple thoughts on maybe Fe- where Phoenix is on the on the power rankings?
2: Well, one, it's a good thing I haven't written that yet, so I can't even <laughs> just go and look at those notes, but seriously, it's a freaking joke. I mean, I think our friends up in Reno talked about it um last week on their podcast, saying oh, it's a joke, you know, this team hasn't won a game yet. They keep drawing, they keep conceding I think this is the first game of the year they didn't concede anything, but, you I mean, you can't score, and you, I mean, dominate a game. There's a team that has 10 men for, I think, 50 minutes. I don't understand how you do these power rankings if it's not based on form, because that doesn't make any sense. Yes, Phoenix is an, obviously a really talented team. They've got the quality there. Orange County is also a really talented team, and it's got the quality there. Yeah county is sitting in 18th and we've won a game so i really don't get it and also fresno is not a very great team i mean they're like fringe playoff contenders for sure i think they're a little bit better than they were last year but you're drawing at, oh, it's just,
1: well the, the oh, interesting i'm so an interesting, sick of
2: these power rankings
1: an interesting thing because i'm looking at fresno right now on the power rankings. You know, the comment for them is they got a point despite being down 10 men, yet they didn't move up or down either in the power rankings, which, okay, I I guess I sort of get that. But you're giving them this compliment that they still drew a match, even though they were down to 10 men in the match, that maybe when you're writing it like that, as opposed to, I think, what does Phoenix's say? It says something about they are no side
2: until Rising had recorded four consecutive draws to start a rate. And it's like it's a positive thing that you can't. (laughs) stop conceding and you you can't score.
1: They set a record basically for not winning a match and only drawing matches. That seems a little weird. And then, yeah, the fact that they stayed at number seven. And yes, Phoenix fans, if any of you are listening to this, feel free to bash us on Twitter. I think most of the league will agree with (laughs) us on
2: this. (laughs) Call them any of a win, Phoenix fans.
1: Well, I mean, the the go-to thing is we like to talk about them every week. So, well, uh, but to be Alan, fair, <laughs> to
0: be to be fair, they are all they are undefeated.
1: That is true. <laughs>
0: that is true. No, I, I mean, I don't want to spoil a lot of my. I literally wrote a rant for this week's power rankings, <laughs> so I will leave some of that to the article. But yeah, the fact that they're at home on a, against a Fresno team, ten men for fifty minutes, and they managed two shots on target. They had 23 shots, 17 from inside the box, and only two on target. Like, there's definitely some problems there. And for me, power rankings are who is good right now, not like who's got the best roster but who's going to make the playoffs. It's who is hot and who is like tearing up the league right now. That's why I was super confused that Tulsa dropped 12 to 24, like
1: with, with three wins on the on yeah. the season.
0: It's, it's I, a I, I know the joke. I know they have game that other teams have games in hand, but Tulsa's first place in the West, and they're ranked 24th. So it's like, to me, like power (laughs) rankings should be, if you only watch like this week and maybe like the last couple weeks, if you were like, who's the best team, not like, hey, who made it to the finals last year? Because I mean, even Louisville is falling, and they've actually won a couple games. Yeah, they look kind of rough at times, but they've actually. They have points. Yeah. And they have, I mean, but yeah, the Phoenix one was, yeah, I wrote three paragraphs of rant before I even got to the rest of the power. Writing. I mean, I mean, they're, they're relatively short paragraphs and one of them is literally just a list of teams um, <laughs> that all have wins. Um, so yeah, that was, I opened it up expecting to see Phoenix fall pretty significantly at least like a spot, maybe, maybe.
1: <laughs> Significantly, at least a spot. <laughs> right. The way, like it's,
0: way it's been going, uh, one spot down would be a significant drop for Phoenix. But yeah, it was, and I get that it's early and it's hard to put some of these middle of the table teams, but Phoenix, come on.
1: So yeah. let's, let's jump on some conspiracy stuff here. Right. Cause I think last season, regardless of what happened, the team sort of like always had like FC Cincinnati, like was like the face of the league. Uh, they okay but were... they
2: went like they have the the league on they were good they no, won no, no, games no no no,
1: no, no, no. I, get, I get that I get that so this season now it's like Phoenix Rising is sort of the league is coddling them a little I don't know when you see something like this maybe that's maybe the league knows something maybe Phoenix Rising is going to MLS after the season and it's like this this farewell season of we're going to treat you nice bye bye I don't know I don't know conspiracy theories right there right Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, I I agree with uh, somewhat with what you're saying, Alan. I I think really for power rankings, you need to take what's happened up until this point in the season. You're going to focus more on what's happened over the last few weeks, but you got to sort of take into account what's happened since the beginning of the season. Unfortunately for Phoenix, that doesn't help their case because again, they're winless in the season. And there's, I think I counted three or four of them that have three victories, which means those teams have more victories than they do losses or draws on the season, or at least it's 50 You know, Tulsa Roughnecks have played six matches, they have three wins. Um, who else is down there with with three victories? Portland's uh, got three Portland. wins.
2: They're three, one and one. They said yeah. eleventh.
1: So they're they're above five hundred. If you're gonna talk about, you know, traditional American uh rankings as far as standings, you go with winning percentage, right? They're above five hundred uh when you look at something like that. And then there's one other team I think with three Los victories. Dos. Three Los two to and 0, 0. And and they're 22nd, 22nd. (laughs) And yeah, they're the ones that the reason Tulsa dropped is because they beat Tulsa. Uh, You know, I I always think I regardless of what you think of the talent of the roster, when two teams with winning with with winning records, basically are battling and one of the teams beats them, usually it doesn't make you drop 12 points in the power rankings, because usually that means you're losing to a pretty decent squad out there. Uh, and usually you're supposed to take that into account when you're building your power rankings. Oh, yeah, Tulsa lost, but they lost to another team that's won quite a bit this season, so maybe not drop them 12 spots in the power rankings. Maybe drop them only a few. Um, And again, like we talked about with Phoenix, they drew against the team that the league seems to think is the 16th best team uh, according to these power rankings, so Phoenix should have dropped, uh, just thinking logically, but it is what it is, right?
0: What's, I mean, it's not saying that Tulsa is going to be first place forever. No. They're just like, I mean, and they, they're, some of their wins are against, you know, some lower teams. And so maybe that's a little bit of a calculus. But, I mean, you, you got to take a look at what's happening in reality right now, not what might happen later or they have a lot of talent. Talent isn't winning games right now. And that, like, if Phoenix goes on a run and wins five in a row, then sure, put them at the top. But until then, you got to be real with them and say, you're not, you know, you're not being successful right now in the field. You are
2: literally bad in history. You're creating bad history. You don't <laughs> belong in the top 10. I think what it is, there's, there's three potential things. There's the East Coast bias, because seven of the 10 teams in the top 10 of the power rankings are East Coast teams. And notice, dis- like, St. Louis deserves it. The Rowdies, they deserve it. The other thing is that there's something in the water in Tampa. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Um, like basalt's maybe. And the third thing is that Florida man might just be, they just find some guy who's on basalt's and then have them pick crests and then just assign it that way. I really don't know. None of this makes any sense to me at this point.
1: No, it doesn't. And And I think we, you know, earlier on, I know it's only five weeks in, but we were sort of talking about how Sacramento was getting, you know, screwed a little bit with their power rankings, they, all they did was continue to draw, right? And they, it it seems like the league thinks a draw means you have to just stay in your position because I think that's what was happening with Sacramento. Actually, no, they only drew one time. So I I don't, I don't get. I'm confused at this point too. But um, yeah, for some reason, Phoenix stays where they are regardless of of the fact, all they do is. And, you know, I think when Orange County drew the first match of the season, they dropped point or they dropped position right then and there. So and that was against a decent Reno team. I mean, so who knows? Um, U.S.L.
2: makes me sad on a regular basis,
1: <laughs> and that's why we talk about it each and every week on our yes. website, right?
2: They disappoint. They disappoint me more than I disappoint my parents, and then my parents don't talk
1: about it. So, yeah. that's sort of sad. <laughs> um, any other U.S.L. stuff either of you have to discuss?
0: I'm excited to check out a live USL game tomorrow. First of the season, so I'm stoked to smell that grass, to <laughs> see some see some non-NPSL soccer being played. You do know like
2: there's there's soop on the ball. The ball can go out of bounds in, in the, this game. Um, there's not like walls enclosing anything either. Yeah, it's going to um, be a little the weird. guys are not really old. They have to run around a little bit more. You'll notice they're all a little bit skinnier.
0: It's, it's true. There were huh, – the team that soccer's <laughs> were playing on Sunday, there was, like, a dude who he, – he had to be, like, mid to late 40s. It so it's, was, like, it's
1: like that guy that plays in England that we talked about, like, a month or two ago, right, Dylan?
0: Yeah.
1: I forget what his name is.
2: Steve McNulty for Tranmere Rovers, captain yeah, formerly was... of the, the Liverpool that... Youth Academy and my favorite, leaders of League One, Luton Town.
1: Yeah, uh, the guy that looks like he they pulled him from a pub right before the match. Yeah, oh for
2: sure. 6'1, <laughs> like 220, gray hair.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not expecting like a 10-4 score line. Ugh.
2: so. Oh yeah, 10-4 on that. <laughs> yep. That was really low-hanging fruit. I apologize to all of our uh, listeners.
1: Yes, yes, yes. This is why my
2: parents are disappointed in me.
1: 10-4 on that. Maybe that's a possible title for our episode. Um Dylan, do you have any other USL-related stuff you want to talk about? or?
0: Uh,
2: God, I felt like I had something, but honestly, I can't think of anything. I mean, I, this, I'm now excited about this season again. It just took that win. I think everyone was, was pretty pleased about it. Yeah. And I don't know what the West is shaping up to be right now. Los Dos looks like they're having a good year, but how long does that last for? Reno can't seem to not beat themselves in a, in a game, and then they finally got beat by a team. It's a weird year, and I don't think Sacramento's got the quality to win it because I don't think they've got the, the offensive quality to win it. So it's just it's so confusing. Oh, you know what? Shout out to uh, to former Orange County player Zach Kobayashi for scoring for Portland too. I think in the seventy second minute against Oklahoma. You know, it's always nice to see orange county and former orange county players doing well so you know big shout out to him for getting on the score sheet i know 2018 was a long year for him so
1: yeah it, 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 it's hard when you're a player a younger player and you just have to sit out a whole season with injury um very tough to deal with and it's good to see him back out there even though it is for another squad but it is what it is uh he probably wasn't going to get much playing time with the the depth we have going and the quality we have going anyway so uh, oh and good you know, for know one it. more thing it is
2: orange county based i don't know but apparently ben is leaving or has left the club koji posted something yesterday on instagram saying goodbye and good luck so uh we'll miss you ben <laughs> i'll never be able to heckle our team operations coordinator again we'll <laughs> know who they are
1: all right let's do this let's get into our random thoughts of the episode uh who who wants who should we go with first let's go with, let's go with alan first
0: Oh, random thoughts. Um, just finished Red Dead Redemption 2. Ooh. So uh, if you don't have it, haven't had a chance to check out some new video games, that's a good one. Good, pretty good storyline. Good, really good graphics. Um, and I like it because it's like uh, some like the modern warfare stuff. Too hard with all the crazy guns. I just like a six shooter or repeater, nice and easy. Uh. That was what I spent most of my time doing on spring break it was not uh, researching Ray's mistakes. It was uh, <laughs> looting trains and robbing banks.
1: It's one of those games that I'm waiting for it to go on sale. to purchase. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I, it was a gift. Otherwise I wouldn't have played it for probably another year and a half. I do that too. Like wait for it to be like 10 bucks, 15 bucks and I'm game.
1: Or like for me, waiting for it to go on to literally, Xbox literally Xbox game. games with gold and it's literally a free game. Right, like um, Bomberman. <laughs> um yeah, I think I have I've been doing the Xbox game with gold for like the last since they introduced it. And every month, regardless if I like the game, I go and like purchase it just because once you do it, you own it. Basically, and unless you cancel your membership, which I don't ever see myself doing. So I think I have like three hundred games at this point on my <laughs> Xbox. Right. And I only play like four God. or five of them uh, at all. So uh, and, and I just downloaded because it was on sale of the Friday the thirteenth game, which seems pretty interesting. I just it seems like people have been playing it for a while and I just suck at it. So
2: you should let your kids play it.
1: Oh yeah, that would be a good uh, yeah. You you Parents could tell of the year Dylan you, strikes you, again. You could you could propose that to my wife and see what happens to you, Dylan. Um Dylan, your random thought.
2: Um, As always, literature recommendation to begin things.
1: It's not a book. It's a poem. Thank
2: you. From Petrarch. Petrarch is known as Petrarch. Okay. P-E-T-R-A-R-C-H. Known as the original sonneteer, the Italian, wrote a lot about a particular lady in his life. Um, I'm going to recommend two sonnets of his uh, three. The opening line of it was the day when the sun's rays turned pale with grief and then the um god what is it gotta go through my book really quickly this oh. is 333rd sonnet so this guy wrote a lot um which the opening line is go grieving rhymes of mine to that hard stone well worth reading most of them are about love so if you want to like impress your spouse or significant other or whatever you people have these days uh that's a that's a good place to go um just don't try and pass it off as your own, because I mean, really, the the dude's better at writing than all of us.
0: I
1: don't know um, I, when you, when you're reading off some of those lines. I'll have to read some of those poems. Uh, it sounds like he's just throwing a bunch of random words together, sort of like what Migos does when they rap. Um, wait, is Migos a group? Yeah.
0: Yeah, like I, the three three amigos.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and they just <laughs> oh, they just like so much sense. I swear, they go in and they just. You know, get a piece of paper, write you know down a hundred words, put them in a bowl, pick out the words, and somehow get those to go together into their rap. That sounds like what your poem was. So maybe he's the original member of Migos.
0: That doesn't make so, sense. So, <laughs> so, so Ray, yo, I just want you to Google. Yo, are you going to tell me
1: Google? Okay, drop
0: go. splash banana.
1: That's Lily Singh, right? Y-
0: yes. That is, awesome. like that is like the, the best video ever. Yeah, perfect explanation of how to write a Migos song. That's I just saw that the other day.
1: <laughs> we're on the same page, and then Dylan has no idea what we're talking about because he doesn't have Facebook. So you probably found it on Facebook, right?
0: Um,
1: um, Twitter,
0: okay. Facebook,
1: one of the two.
0: One of the two,
2: yeah. My other recommendation for this week <laughs> is a movie from the 1970s with Chris Christopherson as the lead role. It's called Convoy. My song by country western trucker artist C.W. McCall. Yes, Alan, it's in color. It was the 70s. It's a really good movie. It's really campy. It's really funny. It's well worth the watch. And there's a wonderful um, continuation through the whole whole movie of that song. Um, It's just, it's so good. It's very funny. Uh, 10 out of 10. Would recommend
1: Oh, Dylan, what's the name of this movie?
2: <laughs> convoy. Just put Chris Christopherson, Convoy.
1: Okay, I'm I'm looking up some information here really quick. On in the this dark of
2: the Was moon it? on the sixth of June, and it comes with right. Holland Logs, so really with quick. Ron, and a Jimmy Holland Hog.
1: <laughs> so Dylan says this is an amazing movie, right? Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes they give a forty two percent for that movie. So now we know what Dylan's movie thoughts are.
2: Um, I don't watch movies a lot, but when I do, I make sure that they're really campy, dude. I'm generally, all old.
1: Uh, I'm looking at like I don't know, if, like the poster <laughs> art for this, and it looks like one of those like romance novels that that women read uh, late at night when their their men are out doing whatever their men are doing.
2: I bet men read those books too, Ray. That Probably. is very very close minded. Oh gosh!
1: You. Oh my gosh! Okay. okay. Disappointed. Uh, let me get into my random thought. It's going to be sort of a rant. uh... For those of you that remember if you listened last weekend i was in south carolina uh on my return trip home on a big large american airline or american-based airline um yeah our initial flight got delayed by like two hours which means we missed our connecting flight uh back home to lax and We tried all we could to get standby on the last flight of the night. But unfortunately, a family of four, there was only two seats left. So we had to get a hotel voucher, stay at a hotel, get dropped off at the hotel around 11 o'clock, have to go buy some supplies because everything was packed on our check-in. By the time I get to bed, it's like 1230, wake up at 5 o'clock to get back to the airport, to come home, finally got home. Uh, It's just, it was horrendous. So me and my wife have decided no more connecting flights. We're only going to go places where there's direct flights from uh, one of the local airports. Yes, we'll do LAX still, but we're not going to do connecting flights because of that. Um, oh, and yeah, uh, Tottenham wins again, uh, this time in the Champions League. Uh, so they are now 2-0 and in the new stadium, and in both matches they have not conceded a goal. So, yes.
2: Now they're ready to lose to already re- relegated Huddersfield on the weekend, so let's be real but honestly kudos because city can suck it
1: dude i'll take the loss if they can win the champions league i don't mind what happens because you know if they win the champions League, they automatically qualify next season regardless of where they finish in the premier league so that's awesome um
0: can you guys beat city in the league though because that would be helpful
1: <laughs> <laughs> why are you cracking up dude? they no. still could technically um and anything's possible with this new amazing beautiful stadium uh they did a tifo at the match uh while the champions league song was going on pretty much i don't know if anyone's seen what the new stadium looks like they have one of the goal lines it's just single tier seating all the way up i you know sort of like what they have at bruce dortmund um and they did a tifo where everyone in every seat got a you know thing to hold up you know, either white or blue, and in the end, it's it's spelled out their their motto or or whatever it is. To dare is to do, or something like that. So, Ray, do you
2: ever look at the chat? While, sorry, do you ever look at the chat while we're doing this podcast?
1: Every once in a while, but it distracts. Oh, you me.
2: should really look at it more.
1: Oh my gosh! Why? <laughs> what's going on now?
2: Well, you start to mention Spurs, and then he talks about the tifo. So, Alan sneaks in a anti-Nashville comment with the was it printed? Then he sneaks in a anti-Tottenham. New White Hart Lane comment with the, it looks like a toilet. And then I ask if the Tifo was a massive painting of the cheese room or printing. I mean, either or apparently, because Tifo doesn't mean anything anymore. Whatever. Long live the cheese room. Apparently, whatever.
1: That is sad that the cheese room is not going to be there. You know what's um, not sad?
2: Luton, seven points clear. Top of League one. Double promotions about to be guaranteed. Um...
1: You know what else you know what else is a little exciting is our friends over there AFC Wimbledon after we spoke with them I think we gave them some good luck or something cuz they've been on a roll I think they're now out of relegation zone right now They are in
2: 22nd
1: Which what's relegation zone? I don't know.
2: 20 bottom 3? No, bottom bottom 3 so they are still there, but they are close. They are okay, very so close.
1: I think before that, I think they played a match like today or yesterday. Or it's yesterday. on
2: goal difference right now. And yeah. um, they've won three of their last five. The team that's ahead of them right He's now lost has four. lost four of the last five. The team in above front of that, them. Yep. Lost five, the last five. So, uh, go on, you wombles, or whatever. But more importantly, come on, you hatters. <laughs> mm, seven points clear. We go.
1: All right, let's end this because we're just starting to talk about random stuff here. This is um, the English
2: football podcast at this point.
1: Yeah, let's do this. Uh, before we end this, though, I want to remind everyone we are part of Beautiful Game Network. BGN.fm is where you can find our podcast along with many other wonderful podcasts that. Uh, cater to the soccer fan that loves soccer and only wants to hear soccer podcasts. That's where you can go for that. They have MLS podcasts, USL podcasts, and also world soccer Podcast, all part of that wonderful uh, network of podcasts. Again, BGN.fm, or you can find their Twitter at the BGN F- or at BGN.fm. I think it is. I can't remember now. Dylan, yes. correct me. Yes. You're right. What is it?
2: At BGM FM.
1: All right. Perfect. And, um, what else? Oh, yeah. Um, Alan, remind our listeners where they can follow you on social media.
0: Hey, Underwood48. Okay, under hold Twitter. on. Do
2: not go to BGNFM. Do not go no, to BGNFM. No. It's the BGNFM. Okay. <laughs> Do not go to BGNFM. It is the BGNFM. <laughs> Cannot stress it enough that you should be you.
1: <laughs> Do not go. I got to look at this now. I got to see what this is. Your wife is
2: not going to be pleased if you look. BGNF.
1: I haven't seen anything bad. Do not go
2: to BGNFM. Is there? Even do not any? look that up at work. If you're if you're at work, do not look that up.
1: Are you talking about on Twitter or like on? Yeah, a on
2: Twitter. Do not go on Twitter and look up BGNFM.
1: Nothing weird comes up for me, so that's weird. Um, <laughs> go for it, Alan. Where can our listeners?
0: <laughs> a Underwood, forty-eight edge. On the Twitter machines, uh, and that's pretty much the best place. Facebook's private, so we can try.
1: Okay. Uh, Dylan, (laughs) sure, our listeners should go on Twitter for you.
2: Yeah, um, you cannot find me at (laughs) BGNFM on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter and Reddit at OCSE underscore Dylan. Um, and I think I've been doing a decent job of updating the, um, the podcast Instagram lately. And also you could find our, um, our, our team's subreddit on Reddit at reddit.com slash R slash orange County SC.
1: So have at it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DJ Ray Samore. You can find the uh, podcast, Twitter, at OCSC underscore SoccerCast. Find us on Facebook. Go to our website, orangeblacksoccercast.com or ocscpodcast.com. Uh, for all of you listeners that have been listening to us for day one, sorry, or since day one, thanks for doing so and continue to do so. Uh, we definitely enjoy that part of uh, doing this, I guess. And for those of you listening for the first time, uh, go back and listen to some old episodes. Give us some some listens and enjoy what we have to I'm... That's going to end things up for Dylan, for Alan. I am Ray, and we are out. Podcasts are a great way for your business to advertise to target audiences. And the Orange and Black Soccer Cast is looking for advertisers like you. If you're interested in advertising your business on our podcast, please email us at info at orangeandblacksoccercast.com. The Orange and Black Soccer Cast has joined forces with many other soccer podcasts, many of them focusing on the USL. We're now part of the Beautiful Game Network, BGN.FM.